Hey everyone, it's Jim Cirk with the Medical Sales Nation. Hope you're having a great day. So once again, I've had an incredible opportunity to interview a up-and-coming CEO with an up-and-coming medtech startup that I am really, really excited about. His name is Kaushal Solanki, and he is the founder and CEO of a company called iNook. Kaushal has his PhD in electrical and computer engineering from UCSB. He has over 15 years of experience and a proven track record in uh, commercialization. And an all-in-all great individual and a uh, pleasure to speak with. So what does iNook do? iNook ha uses artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, to be able to diagnose diabetic retinopathy before it's gone too far. Most people ha that have diabetic retinopathy don't know they have it, and once they find out, it's too late. So this product, this company, is able to take a scan of your retina and be able to tell you, as a patient, if you're going to come down with diabetic retinopathy and go blind because it is preventable. So you can scan it and start taking action to prevent the disease from further progressing. Now this company goes way beyond that into different disease states and we'll talk about it on the podcast. This is incredibly exciting. Now I had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty where we lost about 10 seconds of audio and I have no idea what happened. So just uh, bear with us, go slow. Um, it's just a fascinating a story about a fascinating company. And without any further ado, let's get at it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surick, and uh, I am I am so excited about this podcast. Um, I have an opportunity to interview and have just a great conversation with the CEO of iNook, Kaushal Selenki. And um, I've uh, gotten to know him a little bit over the last couple months, and he has created a company with his team that basically is eliminating preventable blindness with artificial intelligence-enabled software and cloud-based um, retinal imaging analysis software. So uh, very exciting platform and technology and predictive analytics. And uh, with, with that, um, Kaushal, maybe introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you, your background, and uh, let's start there. Absolutely. So, Jim, thanks a lot for having me on your podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm also very excited to be talking about uh, all, the, all the cool things that uh, we are doing. And, uh, you know, as you said, let me start with, with my background, um, which is in, in machine learning and artificial intelligence. So I come from an engineering background, got a PhD in machine learning, and uh, and you know right uh, around 2005 when I graduated with a PhD, I had a nice opportunity uh, to join a startup with my PhD advisor, and you know we were doing cutting edge work on drone image analysis, satellite image analysis, trying to find roads and uh, 
uh, you know, cars and whatnot. Uh, in and this was back in 2005. We hear about drones today, but uh, back then it was a purely military technology. So with with that exciting experience, um, uh, it uh, it really trained me to do uh, develop the state of the art algorithms. And uh, initially, I was not thinking about healthcare at all, but uh, it all started with a personal health care. Um, I had uh, in in around 2007, late 2007 or 8, uh, I was myself diagnosed with a glaucoma suspect, you know, as a glaucoma suspect. So I went to see an optometrist who was just across the street and he said, Kaushal, you got to see your ophthalmologist as soon as possible because you might have silently developing uh, glaucoma. I was like, what do you mean silently developing disease? He said, you know, this progresses without any symptoms and until it's too late. And so that's how I got uh, uh, into this where I first saw these retinal images, so these images of the back of the eye um, and and I was like, you know, I could do some of these analysis automatically. And the trigger point was where, you know, when we tried to make that appointment with with my uh, with, with with an ophthalmologist with a glaucoma specialist, it took four and a half months in Santa Barbara with I remember with the best insurance that money could buy. So uh, so I thought, you know, this has to be done better. And as I learned more, I realized that my father, who had diabetes, never got his eyes checked. So this was, you know, my parents are both teachers, were both teachers, now retired. Uh, they, you know, they, sh- they and me, we should have known better, but nobody told us that diabetes could lead to vision loss. And that whole set of event got me interested into uh into a day where you know i left uh the the my previous company maya chitra to to found inac uh this is how you know inac was born so it's not too uh, short of a background but uh, you know very very early on uh, i i partnered with uh, Dohini Eye institute in uh, in los angeles one of the top eye institutes in the world, um, you know, working on retina and related technologies and medical service, and also with with IPACS, one of the largest telemedicine program for diabetic retinopathy screening, and 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 that's uh, you know we put together uh, initially pretty academic uh, projects were funded by National Eye Institute and National Institutes of Health. And uh, and that was 2010. Here we are uh, with uh, with uh, a lot of exciting things uh, going on at INEC. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, we're gonna dive into what's going on because I know you've already launched the product in Europe, and I'd I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and and how the healthcare system over there is reacting to. Uh, Tie Nook and uh, your portfolio of products. So you you kind of I'm gonna have to go back a little because 
You said you were working um, on satellite analysis, trying to find roads and cars for the military. So is that secret you can't talk about? <laughs> well, I wish I could. <laughs> well, I could talk about it from a high level. So, yeah, let's know, talk about Because I think it's fascinating, you know, if you talk about it from a high level, because that, you're, obviously your education, but that experience in um, reading those images led to, to iNook in, in a roundabout way, correct? Absolutely. So that experience of developing, you know, attacking these problems that had been never solved before, um, with, you know, even in that time, uh, you know, uh, know, 12 to 14 years back, uh, you know, we were processing uh, terabytes of data. So, you know, a, a, a drone would go out and capture hours of images, uh, hours worth of video, actually. And uh, they, they would need to be processed uh, as soon as possible to find clues. And, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, I, I could see that, you know, with, with detecting roads from the, these images is no, not very different from finding vessels from retinal images or medical images in general. But uh, when I joined, you know, when I founded INAC, we, you know, worked on uh, algorithms and techniques that uh, were, were really a breakthrough in medical image analysis itself. And, you know, we got patents awarded for this technology, you know, within four months. So, you know, we got four issued patents in no time um, uh, because they were so novel. Uh, and groundbreaking. Okay, so you're you're taking pictures of uh, the topography of land, and you're looking for specific um, changes, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's really what it is. You're looking for yeah. one picture to another. What has changed in a certain amount of time? And so, from what I understand, and we can get into it a little bit more on how your technology looks at the retina and what it's looking for to be able to, you know, use the, the um, uh, artificial intelligence to help patients with diabetic retinopathy. Yeah. So the development of the AI technology followed a very uh, similar process in spirit. So we had, you know, on one hand, uh, these uh, military analysts annotating these images to see to to tell us the algorithm developers what they were looking for, and in this case we had uh, uh, ophthalmology and eye care experts from Dohinia Institute telling us how these pathologies or lesions look like okay. in retinal images, and and we could uh, develop these these methods to to the highest accuracy. Okay, so so they had a database of images that you used then to to mm-hmm. to show the progression of the disease. We we got a database of images from them. We also got it from IPACS, um, and we also had completely independent validation. So when we the, the images that we used to develop. Uh, uh, were completely different from the patient or the images that we used uh, for validation. Yeah. Okay. So it's and, and so that's just something that's interesting to follow is that you know the the information that you have 
you're doing exactly what you were doing with um, in, for for with the drone and the military contracting is just watching for those little changes over time. Yeah. And yeah. how I'm curious, were, were the doctors able to tell you when you saw a change, say, okay, this change is related to this disease state, this change is related to that disease state, and the time frame in which something is coming next, like a, a, the next stage of the disease? So initially, you know, we, we, we had to ask them to very, very carefully annotate these images. So these are not, uh, uh, so some of the experts from the Doheny Image Reading Center, they are really good at it and they spent hours on a single image telling us smallest of things that could be important. Okay. Uh, that cannot happen day to day. So that's how we train the algorithms. But then we could take these algorithms and do it on new images in no time. And then they would go and give us feedback on, you know, this is where, you know, we, we thought you're not correct. And, and, and I believe, you know, what you're hinting at is now we could go uh, beyond what experts could do to create new clinical standards. But getting these uh, new markers, new clinical standards uh, accepted into clinical practice is also going to take a lot of uh, uh, clinical market development work, um, which is also something we are embarking on. Okay. So, and and just to take a step back, because we really didn't go into this, but um, currently diabetic retinopathy causes somewhere between Twelve and 24,000 new cases of blindness each year in the U.S. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Right? And it is. It is. Yeah. And it's preventable if diagnosed early. Totally. Yeah. Right? So that's, so that's where, you know, I get so excited about, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, the, you know, predictive analytics, the robotics behind all this, because you're changing healthcare. I mean, you you are... You are bringing in a diagnostic tool that you're you're replacing something, and you're you're replacing the human element, but also the the amount of time it takes to get the readings back to the patient. Correct? Absolutely. And so this would be, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jim. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So so this would be uh, the very first time uh, that uh, an eye care expert will not be needed at all. So, you know, the AI that, you know, we have seen previously or that have been FDA approved has all been for assistive systems. So, you know, I help doctors see some things that they might miss, but it, this is really groundbreaking in that sense. And, you know, you're not alone. We, we, you know, we do have a competitor who is working at a similar stage as us, but, uh, the the the, diagno the the screening report comes back in less than a minute, and uh, this AI is trained on over two million images. Now imagine trying to train a ophthalmology resident on so many images. That's yeah, you just couldn't. Not possible. It's not. You couldn't, and you know this doesn't get tired. You train it once, and you know it could work day and night. Um, and, and, you know, you don't have to keep training new AI every time uh, for, for, as in you train new AI for new diseases, but you're not training the same 
uh, diabetic retinopathy to new and new uh, people. So that's that's where the exciting part is. It could really make a huge difference, uh, not just in in the West here, where the screening rates are just about half, but also uh, in the developing world where where there are just no eye care experts uh, to even be able to try screening. Um, as you said, you know the numbers are really alarming. Uh, Twenty-four thousand, uh, you know, new cases of blindness every year in the U.S. alone. Uh, leading cause of blindness in working age adults. So you know, people in their forties and fifties, unfortunately, uh, could be losing vision due to diabetic retinopathy, which uh, is completely preventable if detected early. So you know, why would we let these people uh, lose vision, go legally blind? Um, when when this kind of screening could prevent it. And uh, the problem has been access, which is where uh, with our AI technology, the AI screening system that we have developed could go into the front lines of care, into the primary care or pharmacies or diabetes education centers where these patients could be screened really fast. Right. So in now, okay, so... So it's, it is alarming that only 50% of the patients with diabetes, and diabetes is a growing issue in this country as well as in the world. So huge problem there. And then the 50% number will obviously increase because of the number of new diabetic cases. They're just not getting screened. Now, is it access or is it just ignorance or is it a combination of both? It is a combination of both as... as um as I realized firsthand with with my father. So, uh, you know, either, you know, they're not being told that uh, your vision or eyes could be at risk, or even if they are told, they think that, you know, I don't want to, you know, make another appointment, uh, leave work, pay another copay when when they're seeing 2020. So, you know... I'm seeing 2020, nothing's wrong with my eyes. And uh, that's a problem, especially if we ask them to take another appointment, go to see an ophthalmologist just to check their, uh, you know, just to screen. And, uh, and, and we don't have enough ophthalmologists to really meet the screening needs of every diabetic patient. Even if we, uh, you know, somehow uh, dealt with the ignorance problem. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in your thoughts. So we talk about, you know, the ophthalmo- uh, ophthalmologist and screening eyes, but, you know, a, most of the diabetic patients are probably seeing their general uh, practice, family practitioner much more often than the ophthalmo- ophthalmologist. Um do you see the um, the family practitioners having a bigger role in this than they had in the past? Absolutely. I, I cannot see another way of expanding screening to the needed population. So if we really were to increase that screening rate from 50% to 80 or 85 or 90%, there is no other way. We just do not have enough ophthalmologists we need family practice, we need GPs, we need geriatrics, we need opti- opticians or optometrists to be screening. Yeah. And that is where 
the tool that we have developed uh, allows them to do that yeah. um, in a minute. So uh, another factor is, so, so we improve patient compliance by saying, you know, you're here at, at, at this GP practice, at my practice, for your regular diabetes appointment, you could also get your eyes screened. So, you know, you get improved compliance, but there is one more uh, help that uh, uh, our AI could provide by giving them report right away. So if they need to be seen by an ophthalmologist for diagnosis and treatment, they could take that appointment right away because the report is available in a minute. Right, so they which know. Which wasn't possible. Yeah. Right, so they'll know, and, it, and you're, you're almost, you don't want to scare the patient, but you're saying you are on a track of going blind. You have to make this appointment. That's going to be a much stronger motivating factor than saying, well, you got diabetes, you know, you should probably go see your ophthalmologist. Yeah. Because then yeah, they just absolutely. walk away and just say, forget it. Then, yeah, because. It progresses without any symptoms. You are seeing 2020, and that's the uh, uh, the problem until you know uh, they, they wake up with with the blurry vision, and which might be too late. That is crazy. So, um, so tell us what's going on in Europe because I think that's the precursor to what's happening or going to happen in the United States. So, um, share with us, you know how you how you got into Europe what the acceptance level was, what, what were some of the um, pushback factors and, and uh, how you were able to overcome them? So, uh, so, so Europe, uh, you know, we, we got a CE marking uh, a few years back in, in 2014, and we first focused on the UK. Uh, UK is an in, a, a very, very um, interesting um place to be in if you have diabetes, because they are able to screen uh, over 80% of their diabetes patients. Wow. Really the gold standard place. If you have diabetes, you better be in UK because they're screening you uh, and they're taking care of you. Uh, no other major market, uh, no other major country is able to screen so many people. And so we focused on UK. They, they had uh, a comparative study. So, you know, when they're screening uh, I believe, you know, 2.1 million patients every year. Oh. They, they are imaging them. They have an army of graders really systematically trained on grading these images. But but they're overwhelmed. Uh, they cannot keep up with grading images of so many patients every year um, that, uh, you know, we, we, we came in with, uh, with an AI solution that could help them solve that problem. So they did a comparative study of multiple technologies, including ours, uh, in a completely independent manner, uh, done by Moorfield Sci Hospital, one of the top eye institutes uh, in the world and certainly uh, the most reputed uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, so, so they they did did this independent study, found ours to be the best in sensitivity, the most safest technology that they could introduce. And over the years, we've been working with them to implement pilots at multiple centers. Uh, uh, and these are large uh, insights. These are facilities who screen anywhere from 15,000 patients a year to 100,000 patients a year. And, and so that's where uh, our first commercial success has been. But beyond that, uh, you know, we started looking at less rest of Europe um, uh, last year. Uh, 
and uh, we launched in Germany with uh, with a major diabetes center adopting us uh, just just a few days back. Uh, we announced also a implementation in Italy with uh, with a project funded with a screening awareness month funded by the Ministry of Health and several other esteemed uh, organizations. Uh, and they adopted IART, our product, to uh, to screen uh, patients with diabetes uh, all over the country. Um, we are also making uh, progress in Spain with similar pilots. But uh, and and so this is all very encouraging, um, given that we you know we we have just uh, been uh, focusing on UK with with limited resources allocated elsewhere, uh, but there is a there is a pull from all over the Europe and also uh, other countries in the world. Uh, so uh, because we are changing the workflow. Uh, most of the pushback has been on, you know, how does it change my practice? How does it uh, 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 change the practice of the ophthalmologists we are referring to and, and the like? And every country, as you probably know, in Europe is different. Uh, some are more like UK with a more national centrally administered uh, program, and some are more like U.S., like Germany, where uh, everything is um, um, not centrally administered, but centri- but at least centrally paid. Okay. So, well, you've got to be excited. I mean, this is incredible. You know, the the roads that you're making in in uh, in Europe. What was the driving factor? I mean, you can. It's almost a silly question. It's you know on. Why? Why are they implementing it? It's it's obvious from the from what you're doing, but there must have been something, you know, more emotionally as well as financially driven, um, for them to take this approach, especially when you get the Ministry of Health of Italy, um, supporting this. I mean, what what do you think is their you know primary drivers? Well, uh, the primary drivers have been to. Um they have over the years come to realize that we have not been doing a good job at screening our people with yeah. diabetes, despite uh, being a developed country with you know all the um, uh, you know facilities in the world and you know probably enough enough money. So uh, they know that patients have been the screening rates largely have been similar or worse than fifty percent in many countries in Europe. And uh, with the with the diabetes epidemic growing, uh, they've you know they've come to realize that screening needs to happen. Um, unlike UK, they've not been able to implement this uh, centralized screening program, and so technologies like ours it's probably the only way they are going to be able to screen these patients through um, diabetes centers where they are able to catch these patients uh, rather than just making making referrals. Um, and and I'll give you an example of, uh, of one of these diabetes centers who adopted us in Germany, um, wherein um, this is this is this is a center that's keep on top of 
the all the complications of diabetes is what's driving them. Um, they also like the fact that they could get instant um, reports yeah. and they could educate the patients. They can make sure that they increase the necessary referrals. They catch the vision-threatening patients in time to increase the necessary referrals and reduce the unnecessary referrals. So yeah. those normal patients don't need to be referred and seen by a specialist. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's so obvious, and it's nice to see that governments are coming together and embracing this um, versus looking at a new technology with um, skepticism and, you know, another me too. I mean, it, it's really nice to see that. How do you, I think um, you guys are waiting, I, I should just ask you, when do you think you're going to get FDA approval and how do you, how do you see you launching this in the United States? So we uh, completed prospective clinical trials uh, in the U.S. Um, last year um, with enrolling over uh, 940 patients across 16 different centers that included uh, primary care centers, diabetes centers, ophthalmology centers, retina specialty centers. So we, we really uh, did a pretty solid prospective clinical study uh, to show effectiveness of uh, show safety and effectiveness of this product. So um, uh, the FDA approval is coming within months. I can't tell you more. I wish I could. Sure. Um, we are, um, um, you know, we have been talking to the FDA, and uh, and and the launch in the U.S. is something we are uh, looking forward to. Um, among other things, um, you know, we believe that uh, um, the uh, the primary care is uh, primary care centers is where the real uh, impact of the technology is. Uh, but we would like to be, you know, starting with diabetes centers who have high concentration of diabetes patients who may or may not be receiving screening as of today. Sure. So. Um, and we are also looking at partnering with health systems. Um, you know, some of them are already using our technology under uh, under appropriate IRB approvals uh, to to understand how it will fit within their workflow. Um, you know, how it compares with what they are doing today and the like. Um, in the in the US. Um, uh, payers, of course, payers and reimbursement play an important role, and uh, we we are working on that as well. Okay, yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you: is that you are? Can you use existing codes? Because um, obviously, to not it's not obvious, I guess, but it's unfortunate or obvious that. No one wants to lose money, um, a healthcare yeah. system, a doctor using a new technology. But is there a way to compensate the the clinics, the doctors, to make sure that um, they're being compensated so they implement this? Mm -hmm. So uh, the answers aren't uh, crystal clear yet, but there are codes uh, that that uh, pay for fundus photography and. Uh, uh, the doctor, you know, clinicians, doctors today uh, can uh, bill for that code uh, to screen for diabetic retinopathy. The coverage does vary uh, based on payer to payer. 
but that is where we see the most work that we need to do. Um, in in the um, meantime, um, uh, there are um, IDNs like Kaiser who would not, um, you know, need to worry about these codes, right. which is also where uh, we would, uh, 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 you know, we, we are working on uh, getting initial uh, implementation in phases. Sure, sure. And so when you're when you're talking to the healthcare providers here in the U.S., um, like you just said, you know, I, how does this impact my practice? Just like in Germany, you know, what's what's going to change outside of that? Is there is there uh, concern, excitement? I, I, how are they looking at this? Like any new technology, uh, you know, there are early adopters who are really excited, and you know, on the other end, there are late majority who um, are going to be, you know, pretty conservative in their decision-making in adopting new technology. And uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, I actually expected more resistance. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more uh, positive uh, excitement towards uh, adopting a technology like this, um, primarily because there is a need uh, and um, and even coming from uh, from ophthalmologists or retina specialists who are the ones currently screening. So, uh, you know, one could argue that, oh, they might be losing their business, but no, actually, they are really excited to be able to focus on treating these patients sure. uh, rather than just... Uh, um, uh, screening and where you know many or most of them turn out to be normal. Yeah, no, that's great. So, um, th- I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating because you could just see how many different specialties could adopt this um, and start impacting healthcare, healthcare dollars. So, do you know offhand if you um, let, let's use Kaiser as you mentioned it because you know they they're their own self insured group, so they don't have to worry about it. So. How much money do they estimate or would you estimate that you would, the healthcare system would actually save by preventing somebody from coming up with diabetic retinopathy? That's, uh, that's a great question. So um, we uh, are yet to complete and publish more formal health economic studies. But uh, to give you an idea, you know the, you know the the therapy that's available today. Um, let's say you know the anti-VEGF injections. They would, you know, patients if they progress to proliferative retinopathy um, or, or or advanced macular edema, uh, they would need uh, to be given one injection every month for several months over the course of two years um, as a treatment. Sure. So, so that, that is how much the treatment costs. Um, the, the cost of letting someone go blind is, you know, higher, obviously, sure. for governments or, or even for payers. Um, and that is an impact to their families as well. Of course. Uh, there has been, you know, the, the UK study did um, include... Um, 
elements of health economic analysis just from a pure screening perspective. So, you know, by adopting IART, how much they would be saving uh, in their system. And, and, and one of the numbers that I remember is um, just a single center could be saving uh, close to a million pounds a year um, just by adopting this technology rather than um, doing what they are con- you know what they are doing today yeah it's it's even more in the systems in the US because they are they are actually sending them to eye care experts um, wherein the, the the cost of their time, uh, the cost of their visits are, are much higher, uh, hundreds of dollars versus, you know, we could get it done at a primary care facility without needing an extra visit for much less. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. And, um, and quite frankly, you've gotten to commercialization fairly quickly. Um, I mean, I know you've been working hard, but um, considering what, you, what you've done here and um, and already getting to market in Europe and soon in the U.S., it, 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 it's exciting. It just is. Um, yeah. You guys should be proud of it. So I have to ask this question. Um, this 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 technology obviously must um, be able to be used in other sorts of disease states. So mm-hmm. are you working on other opportunities to use this technology to help with predictive analytics for another for another disease, absolutely. So uh, the 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 mission that we have is to accelerate world's transition to predictive and preventative healthcare, and uh, that clearly includes many other disease states. And uh, it's w- with with a platform for retinal imaging at this time. So retina is an interesting organ, uh, a unique organ, um, which allows imaging of the microvasculature as well as parts of the central nervous system. So the optic now head is actually extension of the brain. And it has information about a lot of things that could be going wrong in your body. And that uh, includes, you know, other vision threatening diseases, um, like uh, age-related macular degeneration, the leading cause of uh, blindness in seniors, and glaucoma, one of the top two leading causes of blindness worldwide. So um, uh, we are developing, uh, you know, AI technology to detect these two vision-threatening diseases. But going beyond, we could also... uh, see signs of and, and, you know, develop biomarkers for cardiovascular disease, for neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment. Uh, it could even see infectious diseases if we could see, you know, applications of it. And, you know, we did some early research on uh, cytomegalovirus retinitis, which is uh, an infection that... Uh, happens to uh, HIV positive patients. Okay. So a lot of uh, these conditions can be seen through the eye and and what we want to enable through this suite of AI technology is to transition people from uh, being proactive and being able to screen, screen themselves, look at 
the state, look at the biomarkers um, inside the eye and uh, keep track of their health. Yeah, I, I mean, really, the eye is the window to the soul, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, and to your health as well. And to our health, exactly. I, I can't, you know, you can tell, you know, I'm excited, um, uh, you know, about what you guys are doing because thinking about just taking a picture of your of your retina, maybe we can go into it a little bit too, just explaining how easy, you know, it is to use this, but you're taking a picture of the retina and you'll be able to, you know, soon when, when you get it all done, look into somebody's eye, know if they have a macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, glaucoma, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, and say, you are on your way, right? For especially yeah. cardiovascular disease, hypertension, um, yeah. right? You are on your way. You have to change your lifestyle today. You have to do yeah. something different to, to save your health. That, that, I mean, that's just is, is, um, mind boggling. I mean, it's, it's, it's just incredible for the healthcare system. Yeah, it, it is. And you summed it up very well. Uh, it's, uh, a, a picture of the eye an imaging of the eye could tell you a lot and pair it with AI, uh, where it can look at things that are going to be very cumbersome for humans to do, if at all possible. Uh, it, together makes it a very powerful tool. And, you know, if you could keep one thing from this uh, podcast, it would be that you'll be seeing a lot more retinal imaging and AI uh, be playing critical role in your healthcare management in the future, in the near future, I hope, uh, with, with what we could enable. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. So a little bit about the technology, the app, uh, uh, the use. You're using... Um... Uh, a certain camera, but I think you also have some technology with an iPhone adapter. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about it. Sure. So uh, today we work with um, the retinal cameras that are available um, uh, in in the market. So you know, off-the-shelf cameras. These you know, these sit on your table. I'm sure some point of time you have seen it, um, uh, and and there are uh, multiple brands or types of cameras and and our uh, approach has been to be camera agnostic we've been uh, you know we, we, work, we work with multiple different camera types and uh, we continue to uh, think from the first principles things like you know um, uh, to, to, to see if there are technologies that could really enable us to get to the masses quickly uh, through smartphone technology. So some of our earlier collaborations with uh, with University of Berkeley, uh, with, with Washington University St. Louis on developing this technology uh, found early success, but today uh, we still think that it needs more work. Uh, it needs more R&D uh, before it's ready for the market. But we've also partnered with uh, companies who have commercial products that work with smartphone-based imaging, imaging. Um, and and we have published uh, uh, solid clinical data on uh, on usage of IR with uh, with smartphone-based uh, images um, with with pretty high sensitivity and specificity. So. 
it's it's exciting it's a good uh, step towards uh, reaching more and more patients uh some of the technology with very small adapters is still not ready for the market uh technology like um like remedio fundason phone which is where you know where we did the uh study with uh is is pretty solid and uh, uh the data looks really good okay yeah so um so it's just great um that I like the fact that you're you're camera agnostic, so that you can just get it out to the masses and 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 really bring this technology forward. So uh, eventually, you're going to have to hire a commercial sales force to go out there. And so the audience here got a lot of sales reps on it, so they should follow you and follow what you're doing. You're going to want the best of the best. What's the uh, best way for people to follow what iNook is up to? Your your accomplishments, your goals. Um, what can you share with them to to stay in, not stay in touch as much as stay up to date on your uh, on your progress? Yeah, well, um, you know, come over our website and sign up into the newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn. We post all the updates on LinkedIn, um, uh, Twitter. So we you know we are pretty active on. Uh, Social media, although we could be doing more, um, and and uh, you know you would be hearing more about us um, through traditional media like press releases as well, um, and and uh, you know feel free to get in touch with me uh, over over LinkedIn or or any other means. Sure, no, that sounds great. So. Um... You know, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day because I know you're incredibly busy, um, incredibly busy. How many people do you have in the company right now? Well, uh, we are pretty small, relatively speaking. We we are about, you know, 15-odd people. Okay. Um, <laughs> so 15-odd yeah. people, um, you're in uh, the UK, Germany, Spain, soon to be Italy, FTA. You're working your tail off, aren't you? <laughs> we have. We, uh, it's a lot of uh, good, good people that we have. We've been really fortunate to have uh, you know very solid team, yeah. uh, smart people, and and not just that. We are also in Africa and uh, looking at Latin America. So uh, we are working hard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's very exciting as well. Oh, good. No, it's good. So, so as I was saying, you know, thank you so much um, for your time. And uh, Medical Sales Nation, you have to follow uh, iNook. You, you, you know, go to the website, sign up for the, um, the newsletter, follow on LinkedIn. Because um, I just saw the Italy press release that came out on LinkedIn this, this week, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and, it was this week. Yeah, yeah. and uh, was excited. I made a little comment for you, you know, to, to follow the future, follow iNook. So um, any, anything else you want the, the audience to know or um, – any thoughts? Well, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Jim, for you know uh, uh, bringing us to to Medical Sales Nation, um, and and you know uh, my comment would be that you know we we are at an exciting stage. We'll be um, building our commercial team and infrastructure, and you know I'm looking forward to uh, partnering with. With, with many of you um, as, as things go. Yeah, great. Well, good. Well, Medical Sales Nation, thank you so much. Um, once again, 
follow iNUC, go to the website, get the newsletter. This is the future of, uh, of healthcare. You need to be a student of your game, as we say all the time. And this is a great teacher for, for our future and our profession. So thank you, Kashal, once again. And Medical Sales Nation, have a great day. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, for you also. Mm-hmm. <laughs>